This episode of Naval Gazing is sponsored by valleygivesback.org. Adding a Valley charity to your estate plan creates a lasting legacy that tells future generations what causes matter to you. Your action will inspire others to follow your lead and make a difference. With a plan gift, you have the power to impact the Valley community forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Learn more at valleygivesback.org, an initiative of the Valley Community Foundation. Plan now, give later, and impact tomorrow at valleygivesback.org. For hundreds of years we brought you the news. For the info we gave you the clues. Owners' profits were always sky high. Changing market now threatens our lives. Post literation, critical reading, dumbed down nation, signs of inbreeding, TV sucking ideas from our head, public discourse, just about dead. We'll ride the dinosaur. Yeah, ride the dinosaur. Hey everybody, welcome to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indies weekly podcast. My name is Eugene Driscoll. Follow us on Twitter at Valley Indie. You can get this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube. Let's turn down that scanner so we don't have uh, the SWAT team in the background. Thank you, Ethan Fry. Ethan Fry is off mic working on an Ansonia Board of Education story. And so, uh, Ethan loves to go to Ansonia Board of Education meetings on sweltering hot July nights. So uh, this is a little different, this navel-gazing. My guest today is a name that is familiar to anyone who reads the Valley Indy or our Facebook page or follows happenings in Seymour or watches the Great Give that we do once a year, our, our webcast marathon. It's Mr. Christopher Bowen of Seymour. Welcome back to the podcast, Christopher. Glad to be here. We're going to try our best not to get Chris in trouble in this episode. That is our goal. Let's state a goal right off the top <laughs> to keep Chris out of trouble. I will try my best not to get myself in trouble. All right, good. I will That's probably all, fail. I don't want to be blamed. But I was reading Twitter today. There's your first strike right there. <laughs> Twitter, I, I, I mean, I even tweeted this. I just read my Twitter feed, and it's depressing. I just keep trying to go to those stories about the little soccer kids that got re, uh, saved from the, the cave to lift myself up. But, I mean, my Twitter feed, because it's mostly politics, is just uh, utterly depressing. Yeah, and I actually, I actually um, believe it or not, you know, it's funny, because I was looking back through the archives a few weeks ago, and I actually... You gave out an award one year because I had the most prolific Twitter. <laughs> I've since deleted that account because it was so depressing and so infuriating. Because most, you know, most of who I followed was politics too. So the Superbus Twitter account is gone now, and frankly, I haven't been happier. It's just one massive weight off my back, just because of that reason. Yeah, and you know, and I'm a guy like I, I work online. And I read online comments all day. I mean, local ones on the Valley Indie Facebook page, and uh, it can start to weigh on you after a while uh, if things get negative. Or if I, I mean, I have thin skin, 
sometimes someone will post something on the Valley Indie site that's not even directed at me, and I'm taking it personally because I'm kind of a moron. But uh, yeah, for like your mental health, I, I understand that. And it kind of goes into our topic that we're going to talk about uh, today. Because I was uh, on Twitter, like I had said, and I it was the Gaming Bus, which was a uh, you're a gaming journalist or, or kind of a former you you ran your own website where you, you for, for uh, not video games. Explain I what you did. I'm, I'm I'm butchering it. So I started a gaming. I worked in the games industry as a journalist slash financial analyst. Um, for a while and after a while I decided like most other people to go into business for myself so I started a site called gaming bus where we reported news we gave analysis on the news on things that people don't really care too much about honestly uh, like quarterly reports of public companies in addition to talking about games and the industry and etc um, and I ran that for a few years until the money you know, the money wasn't coming in and I was just kind of burned out. So the, the site itself is effectively dead. It's just a, it's just a husk. And the last thing there was from like 2016. So you're a guy who knows uh, kind of the gaming industry, like more than me. I'm kind of a layman and I follow it and I play a couple of games uh, on my own. I just saw that like, you know, when we're talking about games for people who don't know and listening to a podcast you probably do but the gaming industry is bigger than movies at this point i mean it's 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 huge uh, in the entertainment world they're cash cows i mean fortnite for goodness sake fortnite is the big one and fortnite is popular culture now to the point where it has transcended and not because you see it in other mediums it's not like when mario when i was a kid mario had his cartoon and you know the cereal and it that's how it transcended People are actually playing Fortnite. Take the L, the dance. Take the, you know, the celebration dance. The do the Mario? No, no, the L, the uh, yeah, well, the loser dance. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where they dance. Oh, I. That's how it's. Trans- it's one of the. No, it no, it no, works no, out no, great no, on a no, podcast. No, We're no, talking. No, I was wondering, like, why is Bowen suddenly looking away? I am looking at him like, why has he got the L on his head? That's a dance from, from Fortnite. Oh, okay. I don't play Fortnite. Thanks I've hit for, that. Thanks for grinding the podcast to a halt. I still haven't introduced our topic. Thanks, Ethan. All right, I'm going to interrupt because here's, here's, here's my point. Video games, biggest thing in the world. Example, Fortnite. Uh, you're an online guy. You live online. Uh, you know the gaming industry better than anybody I know. Uh, I'm an online guy for this job and reading comments all the time. Star Wars. Let's talk about there's fandom, right? Yes. There, there, there's fans out there. I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm a fan of movies. I love movies. I do another podcast uh, on the side about horror movies with two other guys. So I have strong opinions. Right. But what we're seeing is the reason I wanted to do this podcast was something that you tweeted uh, this morning from Gaming Bus. And it's sort of about, it touches upon this, what they call the toxic fandom uh, and what it's doing. Uh, it's setting its sights essentially on the Star Wars uh, universe. And you basically said that the terrorists are setting their sights. I think that's literally what you had typed. So Those explain are, to me what's going on. Okay. So back in 2000, okay. This really dates back to 2014, uh, where something happened called Gamergate. And the way that came about was, and 
fandom has always been a little bit toxic. It's a male-dominated industry. Catering, Ga- gaming fandom you're talking about? Any, or any fandom, kind of, okay. really. We're talking gaming, comics, um, you know, movies to an extent are kind of, you know, the fandoms are largely male-dominated. The people that go to conventions and, you know, get things signed. It's mostly males. Uh, you know, the, the proportion is starting to change a little bit, though, especially in video games where m- female-identified gamers are now, it's 50-50. Even if those games are things that you'd play on your cell phone or maybe sometimes more casual fare, you see more women involved than you used to when girls, it was kind of like a note, you know, you had somebody putting up the sign on the treehouse saying no girls allowed and girls was misspelled. So in light of that, the content is starting to change and it's drawn a, a lash, a um, backlash, a backlash from let's just call them what they are. Sexist jerks who, see that things are becoming a little bit more inclusive. It's not just about shooting people anymore or running people over. It's, you know, you're seeing deeper stories and people don't like that. Um, a small subject section of people don't like that, but especially as the internet has become more ingrained in our society, that small minority can do a lot more damage. And back in 2014, a female developer named Zoe Quinn it came out that she had had a sexual relationship with a writer named Nathan Grayson, who was a reporter for Kotaku. Um, and normal, if if you heard that a popular journalist on the political beat, Ethan Fry, let's say if you heard that Ethan Fry was sleeping with a female politician that he fire. was covering, you'd fire him for one. And that would be controversial. The games industry isn't cool. It's an entertainment medium. So one of the reasons I started Gaming Bus was to get away from that entertainment medium. I didn't want to be beholden to gaming companies. Um, I wanted to report on them objectively. I wanted to be closer to what you and Ethan are than what you'd see on GameSpot or Kotaku or some other gaming website where they need to have a good relationship with PR. And so the fans went after the female, the, the, the person who working in the game industry. Right? They went after her personally. They went after her brutally. And why didn't they go after the reporter at all? They really didn't do too much to the reporter. But what ended up happening was Zoe wasn't popular to begin with. She did a game called Depression Quest that wasn't well-received. Um, and she's also been a very vocal feminist. Um that draws a reaction to begin with. Because so there's, there's this thought that these, and it's coming up with Star Wars too, that there's this sort of uh, leftist view yes. that these artists are, uh, are sort of forcing down the fans' throat. It doesn't kind of come down to that. Isn't It really comes down to liberals are trying to make things less fun for us. Um, and that's not really, I'm not really sympathetic to that argument. Um so what ended up happening with Quint, with Zoe and other feminists by extension, including Anita Sarkeesian, who runs the Women in Games uh, webcast, um, somebody actually made a game about Anita where you literally just punched Anita in the face and you see a picture of her face that had bruising on it. Th- that was the game. You literally just beat the crap out of Anita Sarkeesian. 
So all these feminists in games already had it rough. So what happened with Zoe when it found when they found out that she was sleeping with a reporter who didn't even really cover her games, but he's just a rec- he's just a reporter. She was a feminist to begin with, so she drew the dregs of fandom. The, the worst people you want to meet with overlap from right wing provocateurs like Miley Yiannopoulos made his name with Gamergate. Um, men's rights activists, which sounds better than it is. It's really just women are taking our stuff. Um, and they went after her viciously. I mean, they I mean ran, what are some of the, like, the over-the-top things that happened? So what they did was... They, over video games. Over video games, right. We're talking about video games, for, for the love of God. Um, they doxed. Doxing is when somebody reports your personal information, not just publicly information, publicly available information like your address, but your address, your phone number, your parents, where they live, their phone number, your place of employment, their phone number, all the information that they can find through sleuthing or hacking or what have you. And people were literally making, I mean, like hundreds of death threats against Zoe, against Anita, against uh, Brianna Wu, another web develop, another feminist web developer, or game developer, I'm sorry. So they made these attacks, and these people had to leave their houses because they made reports to the police, and the police are like, okay, we see it, but there's nothing we can do. We're not going to go find Johnny X254 and arrest him. We don't have the resources for this. We got other, we got other crimes to worry about. So they had to leave their homes um until this died down and people were just calling um people were calling their parents threatening their parents just a constant deluge organized on extremist right-wing sites and i say extremist right-wing sites that's not a political statement there is significant overlap between the far reaches of that movement like um breitbart was heavily involved at the time so the argument that they made, and it's it, it was about ethics in games journalism, saying we're more concerned about the ethical con- about the ethical connotations of how people cover the games industry. Uh, it was a bad argument. It was complete bullcrap because I, as a journalist, had made actual ethical issue concerns about how reporters cover the industry as part of my central crux. Um, it was something that I talked about a lot. These people were just using it as a cover to yell at women online. And, and be vicious. I mean, you're going to talk ethics. Vicious. One of the things is, like, don't hurt people. I mean, the SPJ uh, Code of Ethics is minimize harm is one of the top things as a journalist you're, you're supposed to consider. And these people are just going hog wild. Nobody that was in this movement has ever heard of the SPJ. Hmm. They, they didn't even know enough about it to Google it the code of ethics or whatnot. Um, it was not a concern for them. And let, let's fast forward now, because now it's coming up again, because we have the director of uh, The Last Jedi, Ryan Johnson, mm-hmm. puts out a tweet, is in an article just within the last week or so, and it's like July 11th as we record this, uh, saying, or the headlines that I read, I don't want to misquote them, and I am. But basically bringing Gamergate into this, that some of the hate directed at The Last Jedi yes. uh, was because, is, is the same type of toxic, over-the-top insanity that uh, started with Gamergate. Right. 
Do you uh, see that as happening? Like, what what's happening specifically that you see? It never stopped. What's happening with Star Wars? With Star, Star Wars, Wars what happened is, and this dates back decades. I mean, it just came out on Twitter that the actor that played Jar Jar Binks, the backlash against his character got so severe that it affected his mental health. He considered suicide for a long time. Ryan Johnson put out that tweet. Um, now, I don't watch Star Wars. Um, Are you a Star Trek guy? I like Star Trek a lot better, Battlestar Galactica, uh, but I also watch. Show? Well, I also watch anime. So if you want to ask me about Gundam, I'm all over that. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> there you go. But there's a woman. Is it Kelly? The oh, act, uh, who is Kelly the, Marie Tram? Kelly Tram. Yes, she deleted her Instagram account because the sexism was so rampant that it ruined the experience for. Her. And now, they this hated actress, her. For anybody who doesn't know, she was. A supporting character in The Last Jedi. Spoiler alert, I guess what I should throw out there now if you have not seen the movie. I mean, it's streaming on Netflix. I assume everyone's seen it by this point. But uh, she sort of teams up and goes on this side adventure with uh, Finn. Okay. I believe his character. Yeah, he's the, I don't know who Finn is. Finn was a stormtrooper, and then he goes to the, uh, whatever they're calling the Rebels. Is that nowadays. John Boyega's character? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, and, now, but here's the thing. What I, so they went after her on Twitter, like over-the-top viciousness. Uh but I agree, like, her character was terrible in the movie and unnecessary. That whole subplot was a distraction from the movie itself and totally unnecessary. I think that's a valid criticism of that movie. But I don't understand what's happening in our world that we go after the actress. She's just playing pretend it's not her fault. She didn't write the movie. She didn't give herself that part. Uh, but I guess it's because she's female and she's a minority. That, that has people, a lot to do with it, And they think yes. that's, it's, she's a social justice warrior, and there's some leftist leanings in the movie. It just becomes this whole... It's weird how it just becomes a personal attack, though. Just don't see the friggin' movie. It's a very easy road to go down if you're already maybe a little social maladjusted uh, or maybe just young. And, you know, maybe you think that girls aren't looking at you. Maybe you think that the popular kids get all and you don't have the perspective to understand that it's going to get better and your world's going to blow up once you leave, you know, once you leave high school, once you leave college and get out into the real world. So it's very easy to be fed a line of bullcrap that the Asian actress and the black actor, John Boyega, um, their casting is just liberals putting their stamp on the world and forcing their views down your throat and the gay agenda. And this makes no sense to reasonable people. And when I talk to people that don't follow the entertainment industry, they look at me like I've got bugs crawling on my head. It's like, what does this matter to me? But we saw a lot of these tactics during the presidential election. This is, it's sort of, it's modern, it's become modern politics. It yeah. has become mainstream. Um, you attack. You attack the other side. You get personal right away. You, you don't... destroy their lives. That's ultimately what Gamergate was about. It was about destroying lives and ultimately about getting women out of our out of their clubhouse. I say our I have I was on the front line against Gamergate, and that's really what that was the final straw for me in the games industry. I learned I stopped writing about video games professionally when I looked at my audience and realized I hated them. That's the God's honest truth. I didn't respect the people that were reading my work anymore because they were so dumb and complained about such dumb things that mean nothing. 
and then would order pizza and send it to my house because they didn't like me. That literally happened. I was going to ask, like, yeah, because uh, I mean, I'm almost hesitant. Something I don't want. I'm not going. I don't want to use the GamerGate hashtag for this podcast. I don't need that. I got enough harassment in my life. Yeah, exactly. But you got you got harassed in some ways oh, for. God. I've had more pizza delivered to my house now that I live in Seymour. I pick up my pizza because always doesn't deliver. So I've had more pizza delivered. You know what to I like m- in Seymour. I, I'm a I'm a fan of Cachinos on on Route 34 on the other side down there. They're pretty good. I used to live down there, old. and I didn't have that too much. Um, They're not bad. But I interrupted. Well, no. they, they would, why pizza? Why why pizza deliveries? Because they think that I'm going to have to pay for it. They oh, don't okay. know that when somebody you know for the most part when somebody makes a hundred and twenty dollar order. That they're going to call me and say, hey, this came from an out-of-state number. Are you really who you think you are? And I say, no, that's a line of crap. And I wrote something on the internet that, wait a minute, the internet is, because you're talking to people that do pizza for a living. They don't know what you're talking about. And I just tell them, just cancel the order. Um, but I've had delivery people come to my house. It's like, yeah, well, you ordered so-and-so. And I'm like, you just delivered a Hawaiian pizza to me. First off, I'm allergic to pineapple. And I would never put that on a pizza, but no, that wasn't yeah. me, and I'm not paying you. So now the pizza people, now my number's blacklisted. My number's publicly available. Now my number's blacklisted with that pizza place, and you know now they've got all this pizza that they have to cook. If they cooked it, they're going to eat that because I'm not going to pay for it. It's a weird thing. It's a weird but, thing. But what about the sense of entitlement, too? I was just before you, you I've sh- showed up here. I've got death threats over the years, and... You know, people that would just drop threatening name, you know, threatening is like, wow, I'd hate for something to happen to Wendy. Wendy was my mother. You this would be over the things you were saying. Over things that, I said about a damn video game. Why oh, you got a curse, Chris? Ugh, I've had. To I taught you. Now you're gonna get times. me in trouble. Sorry. You no cursing. Put the bleep it. Um. So what about like just jumping because uh, the, there is that okay there's the, uh, the you know I'm thinking about Star Wars specifically the people that don't like the uh, sort of uh, liberal agenda that may be in the movie what they and, think and, you know is what? the liberal agenda and I could kind of I don't know I could see some of the Star Wars stuff there you know the the la- latest one it's kind of and and, and uh, Rogue One you could I I would argue okay there is some it maybe is leaning one way if you if you choose to look at it that way well but so what it's entertainment. What I don't get is people getting so mad that they have the sense of entitlement. If you don't like the movie, you don't like the movie. Call it a bad movie. But uh, the sense of entitlement that they're they're letting fans down somehow uh, by, by insulting fans, like this whole me, me, me. I don't well, get that. Here's something that Gamergate exposed, and we just saw this in the games industry this past week. We saw it again. Um the games industry exposed that these people on the internet and these fans and these knuckleheads, they have power. What what, hap- what happened during Gamergate that was the most depressing thing of all is large journalistic, uh, large outlets, GameSpot, IGN, they were very neutral on Gamergate. They didn't say anything. They didn't want to rock the boat. They yeah. didn't rock because what happened was the the you know, Polygon and other sites that were a little bit more forward thinking and came out and said, this is a lot of, you know, this is a lot of doggy do. Um, these people are insane. What they did was they went after the advertisers mm-hmm. and said, you know, they made advertisers drop out. So that's another thing that's become mainstream. Now everybody attacks advertisers um, on both sides of the political aisle. So these companies really stayed out of the fray and for companies that had women working for them, they really let them under the bus. And 
what you didn't see was a lot of female developers just leaving the industry. They're the ones, they were the silent majority that just said, screw this, I'm not, I hate this, I, this is making my life worse. On top of the normal rigors of game development or game journalism, which doesn't pay well. But this week, we had a woman named uh, Jessica Price, I believe her name is. She is a developer, she was a um, writer at ArenaNet. They make Guild Wars 2. They made what? I'm sorry. Um, Guild Wars Two. Okay. It's a MMO. I'm not too familiar with the game itself, but she got into a Twitter argument with an ArenaNet partner, which is basically just a streamer. Um, and the streamer was fine about it. Frankly, I think she overreacted, but the blowback caused her to get fired. Wow. And now, someone outright said it on Reddit is like, "We've got them by you know." Watch yourself. We run this company now. They've got leverage. They know they have leverage because some corporate drone who only looks at the numbers says, oh, we lost money because of this. Make it go away. They don't care about social justice or anything like that. Everybody's talking about the liberal agenda. They don't care about the liberal agenda. They only care about the bottom line. But the thing that they – I'm going to go back to video games. What's the number one thing that we always did in video games? What was the end goal? Beat the boss, man. Save the princess. You save the princess in Mario. Uh, you rescue the princess in Zelda. The, the game is named Zelda, and your job is basically to save her kingdom. It's usually about a big macho strapping man. This is in movies. It's in comics, etc. A big strapping man going in, blowing things up, and saving the fawning woman. That's been the case for years. Um so this liberal agenda has basically been pushing back saying, well, okay, that just relegates women to the role of props. You know, we're just the trophy to be won. They are just the trophy to be won at the end of the game. We should have female league characters. We should have females that are um, on the box and not just for, you know, aesthetics or TNA. So, and we've been getting that. And these people see that as a threat. And when you see the worst, if you really want to see someone upset, whether it's legitimate or not, call them racist. Hmm. Just because doing that puts a scarlet letter on them in their mind saying, you're a horrible person and I'm going to let everybody know that. So they become instantly defensive. When these people feel that they're threatened, they take it... They feel threatened by more women in games, more representation, and less of the games that are that are basically modern, you know, macho male fantasies. And that's so they already don't like it. And then it just takes that little catalyst, you know, maybe a you know, maybe an article by Roosh, who's a very prominent men's rights activist online, or someone else who um Everybody's just got needles. an opinion. It's almost they like, just needle it, and the internet, they're master. The internet's great, but man, everybody is just an expert on everything. They know everything. Well, everybody's an expert on everything, but it's the manipulative ones that you got to watch. They're the ones who go, "You're right to be aggrieved. You're right to you know these women are trying to take over your life and destroy it." And people of weak constitution, they react. That's how you get turned. Um, and although, like one thing, you know, I'm a couple. It's of like years conspiracy ago, theories. A couple of years ago, they you know they remade Ghostbusters, right? Uh, which touched off sort of the same, uh, some of the same insanity because the it was, same thing happened. But I would argue that one thing that's happening in Hollywood, I think, 
I and I'm cynical. I think some of these reboots that are made where they just change out genders is just a, to cash in. And I think that Ghostbusters was just, uh, I, I don't know whoever like green lit that movie was thinking like, oh, we're going to give women empowering parts now. And, ch-. and I think they were just, we're going to try this because this is of the moment right now. Uh, it'll get people, it'll get attention and it'll get people into the theaters. I think there's some of that too. Do you? I think there's some political angle to it. If only just to, hey, let's see what a popular brand does with an all-female lead cast. Maybe there's some negotiation in it. I don't know. Because um, there's a lot of like unnecessary things happening where they're just like, I think know, the latest oceans, whatever. Where it's, oh, it's all girls doing it. Oh, why? I think it's the there same is movie. some. I think there is some capitalistic uh, look at that. Like, hey, the, there's a market for this. Let's do it. And in that sense, yes, the free market. But there's no could there's decide. No, there's no like sensible discussion of it. It just becomes like anytime you, know, you have I'm gonna s- kill some. It just it becomes nuts. Well, that's just it. And that's why I stopped really talking about stuff like this online because I'm not interested in debating with strangers. Yeah. Because very few people will come at you with a good faith argument. It's not about actually understanding someone. It's about winning. And that's yeah. ultimately what this is about, I think. The crux of it is people have to win or at least appear that they won. That's why they come with you know arguments that don't stand five seconds of scrutiny, but... If you don't debate me, I won because you didn't engage. No, I didn't engage with you because you're a jerk. You know, and you're toxic and I don't have the time for this. You know, I've got a lot on my plate. I don't have the time to be arguing online with some random guy that comes along with me with an anime avatar. Hi, this is Eugene Driscoll, most likely interrupting myself to bring you a message from our sponsor, valleygivesback.org. Adding a Valley charity to your estate plan creates a lasting legacy that tells future generations what causes mattered to you. Your action will inspire others to follow your lead and make a difference. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact the Valley community forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Learn more at valleygivesback.org, an initiative of the Valley Community Foundation. Plan now, give later, impact tomorrow, at valleygivesback.org. All right, so that's our Gamergate, uh, Star Wars gate. I need a good Valley Indie gate. That could, we could probably use that for fundraising we get some attention from this that's really my cynical uh, goal. <laughs> there you go so let's talk about seymour gate seymour gate i just made that up okay uh, just switching gears here it's the, we're at the 28 minute mark we'll go like another 10 minutes if, if, if you can go as long but as you wh- can while i got you in the room let's do this uh christopher bowen is a chris is also a member of the seymour economic development commission are you the vice chair i'm the vice chair of the economic development commission Woo! And, and you're an alternate on the Seymour Planning and Zoning Commission. I'm an alternate on Planning and Zoning, and every meeting that I've... There's one meeting I had to miss, but every other meeting that I've been at, I have been seated. So we have not had a full board since my since For the I've P&Z the you're talking. Correct. Okay. Anything, any new applications or anything like that going on with the P&Z? Well, one thing that I'm really excited about is... Remember Valley Burger Shack? Yes, it was on the... Was that on the corner uh, right near? It was on the corner across from what's now Rocky's Deli. 
Oh yeah, and used to go Spinelli there. Spinelli wrote about that back in the day. Okay. Uh, um, so, so so what ended up happening was it's he been gave a, it up. Had, didn't it become like it was a, the Burger Shack, and then it was like a it was he, it's been a couple of iterations. He sold right? the lease. Um, the owner of that sold the lease to a family member who renamed it Thai Dish and Burger. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, they yeah, kept yeah. the burgers, add Thai food, and here's the great thing about that place. They're both awesome. It was yeah. It's, it, yeah, we it went is there one a bunch of, of times. Yeah, it is Ethan one of Seymour's underappreciated gems. Yeah, it's a great place. So now what he's doing is he bought a place on South Main Street and turned that into mix. So he's basically one half's going to be burgers, the other half they're just going to live there, and that brings them into the community. And voting to approve that is one of the. It's it's why I got into this. It's now is this, it a, a, a building that's existing or is this new construction? It's an existing happened? building okay. where nothing is happening right now. It's kind of empty. You know, like to, to kind of where what was there before? Do you have any idea? Not that I'll really uh, know. Pizza, a, I think. A pizzeria. Okay. Yeah, I put I put um. So what I do on my personal Facebook and anybody who wants updates on Seymour is welcome to follow me. As uh, long as you're not easily offended. As long as you're not you, easily offended, you I don't curse like a much. sailor. Oh yes, I do curse like the <laughs> sailor I was. Um, you know, is welcome to follow me. I write about every committee member, every committee thing I do, every vote I make, every meeting I go to, as long as it's, you know, economic, I don't, I'm on the democratic town committee. I don't write about that because I don't feel that's of interest to the majority of the town. Um, but things that are town facing, I justify every single vote and every single thing I do because I believe in full transparency and I don't want to hide behind that. I want to make that public, even if it shortens my time in politics. I believe in this truly. So what I do with the planning and zoning posts is I put up um, every vote I make and I try to have pictures. I'm having trouble with the software on my Mac on that now, but I'm going to work that out. Um you always write a letter to the editor too. We'll, we'll gladly, you know. Not Zuckerberg doesn't have to get everything. Yes, but I don't have word limits on my Facebook. <sighs> if you can't say something in five hundred and fifty words, I used to I used to write two thousand word reviews. My editors hated me. What now? How about the EDC? Now I know you had you had uh, about a month ago or so. You yes. went to Tritown Plaza. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna a nice give, event. So I'm gonna give my perspective now. Um, what happened with Triton Plaza? We went to Valley Realtor Day, and there was a proposed plan to demolish what used to be Ames and Big Y Greenfields Warehouse Foods, the, the grocery store. Demolish that, keep what is now Alberto's and what used to be um, the liquor store, the liquor store and Valley Cabinet. They would stay. Um, and one of the things that they tried to do was try to rent that out. Those would still be existing businesses. Knock down the big retail, turn them into parking places and a building that would either have medical or um, a pharmacy. Okay. So they're, they're modernizing the old strip mall concept. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And re they would also renovate the area next to Ames, but between Ames, where Ames used to be in the movie theater, which back in the 80s was like, a card store, a video store, small business, they would sell that at Shell, meaning $8 a square foot, you do what you want, we'll bring the pipes in, but if you want to put the toilets in, that's on you. Uh, movie theater would stay, tire shack wouldn't be touched, and they would build other buildings surrounding the lot. Mm -hmm. One would be in Ansonia, that would be like uh, office spaces. 
uh, a restaurant, maybe a mid-tier restaurant, would be on the other side of the, um, you know, other side of the parking lot in the front of the parking lot. So where Dunkin' Donuts is now would be surrounded, more or less. Um, to the last I heard, and I have not gotten an update on this recently. I'm looking for some time to get this update. We don't. The permits for the permits are Wait, permits for the permits the yeah. permits haven't been pulled yet basically okay. I was gonna say, the preliminary stages audio. are there but nothing to my knowledge is fully signed so we're kind of, this has been 20 years i was in high school when tritown plaza became empty basically when ames went away and big y went away um i was still in high school so it's been 20 years so we've done this song and dance before um the owner has his view of what the property is worth. We really just want this prime land to be filled up. This prime land on a town border that you see right off the highway. Easy access. You can't get any easier. Access it doesn't get easier yeah, access yeah. than this. And we, um, there's progress being made. I'm more optimistic about this now than I have been in the past, but it's a very cautious optimism. So... We'll see where we'll we'll see where it goes. So when does the EDC meet? I mean, these are public meetings. Anybody can go to. I'm sure. So our last meeting was yesterday, but okay. that was a special meeting because we didn't want to meet on July third. Um, Cowards. So, so I might not have been there on July third. Nothing's going to get done. Uh, so we had our meeting yesterday, and it was actually a very good meeting. And I wanted to publicly thank Sheila O'Malley, who is the economic development guru slash grant writer mm -hmm. she wears a lot of hats in ansonia she came to our meeting yesterday because they can't they had to cancel the board of alderman meeting in ansonia so she came to our meeting uh, which had been previously set up on short notice after this meeting had been canceled and she sat with us for an hour and a half just talking shop mm. on things to make things that they've done in ansonia that worked things that they could do better a wonderful presentation. I've got pages and pages of notes that we took of this experienced person who's doing well, doing good things in Ansonia. Um, just talking shop, you know, giving us perspective because we're about to hire. We're about yeah, that's to. My next question is going to be: Are you going to hire an economic well, development we person? We don't hire the EDD. We would recommend it to the town. And the, determine what the resources to the need selectmen? to be. We would okay. recommend it to the board of selectmen and the resources that would need. In other words, do we make it full time? Do we devote a full time salary to this? The last economic development director was part time. That became an issue of contention because a lot of things didn't get done. And a lot of the stated reason was, well, it's a part time position. So it's part time effort. I think that's an excuse, but. We're not really but in. Then again, if you're paying somebody a hundred thousand dollars a year uh, come budget time, that could rile people up too. Well, that's just it. We need to determine if it's worth yeah. the expense to maybe go full time, or maybe add, you know, maybe rearrange some of the duties. This is all still in very early preliminary talk. And how many people are on the EDC? We have seven members on the Economic Development Committee. We have a full board, and we had full membership last time, so. Nice. A couple months ago, I wrote an editorial basically saying that everybody around town was canceling because planning and zoning had been canceled, even with the alternate there. Um, you know, economic development had been canceled. And other boards around town weren't making quorum. 
And because Miller's is, got everybody uh, drunk on the bond rating. Everyone's just like, <laughs> it's like when a baby gets uh, uh, milk drunk. It's just like, ah. Oh, uh, they just fall asleep. Yep. With that bond rating. But we've got a, um, we're getting a lot more engagement. And we've got some. And you cons- like it, right? Because this is your first foray. You went from a guy uh, on the sidelines, uh, never afraid to give your opinion. But now you put the rubber to the road. Is that is that the right way to say it? it you put your money where your mouth is. Everybody knows what, it, everybody's got an opinion. And we all know the rest of that sentence. So. It's one thing to have an opinion, but it's another thing to put that to the test and actually want and actually work to do things better. Um, and it's hard work. You know, I do a lot of reading and I do a lot. Of, I'm studying the zoning regulations right now. And um, my alcohol purchases have gone up as a result because it's like, oh, my goodness, I need a drink. Um, it's dry, hard work that takes a lot of time. And this time takes away from my family. Um, you know, if I have a meeting in Seymour, my wife has to take care of the dog hmm. and I have to go into work early and it's just it, everything in my schedule has to shuffle. Everybody that does town government for the most part has that sacrifice that they make. That's the one thing I didn't appreciate was just how much of the sacrifice is made and how much thinking goes into it. Almost no one goes into town government with anything better anything worse than the best thoughts they want to help their community it's not this is not something for somebody who's just looking to get ahead because the effort outstrips the work that you need to do and the effort that you need to give and some of the stick that you take outweigh the benefits of just seeing a ribbon cut on a, on a business or whatnot um because people have very legitimate concerns about what they see in life the lesson that I learned, especially knocking doors last year during the political campaigns and talking to people now who comment is I don't see things from their perspective. I've always seen things from my perspective, and I thought I was smarter than I was, really. So now helping, being able to see things from other people's perspective and what they're doing to get by educates me going forward in how to just interact and it's a different way of doing things because they always say you, you get more flies with honey than vinegar. I had to learn that lesson the hard way. Hmm. And now I, I'm very excited about Seymour and where we're going because we've got a more engaged populace now. Um, the last budget passed with very few votes. We're going to be working to try to improve that, just improve turnout and improve engagement in town. And that's not just a political process. That's engaging in sports leagues. That's engaging, you know, maybe you coach if you have the time. Maybe you volunteer for this event one time or do something to make the lives of people better. And if we're reaching out instead of retreating back into our own little forts, a rising tide raises all ships. And I firmly believe that. So that's why if you go back and read some of my comments from the early days of the Valley Independence Sentinel, yeah, you're going to say I'm a jerk. Um, but you're our jerk. I am I am the local jerk. <laughs> but I don't want to be that jerk anymore. Um, I had to learn the hard way. Listen, when are we getting a Dave and Busters at uh, Tritown Plaza now? For nine years, I've been I've been uh, Dave and Busters. Dave and Busters. We need a Dave and Busters. It does sound like a good fit. I, hey, I'm there telling you. There used to be a bowling. Ron Spector, give me a call. There used Dave to be. And Busters. 
There used to be a bowling alley. But somebody burned it down, for what I... I believe so, yes. It was a duck pin lane. But if we can support duck pin lanes in the in 80s... In the valley, they burned down a bowling alley. I think it was arson, right? I think, I think we had... I don't... It. I was six. So. All right. We're out of time. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. Totally impromptu, improvised uh, podcast. I didn't have time to prepare for this. I got told about it this morning. So um, if anybody's mad at me or if anybody thinks I screwed up, there you go. That's why. Send them pizza. Send send me pizza, yes. Um, We have a lot of wonderful pizza places in Seymour. And I am always willing to – there's one more thing I want to talk about, if you don't mind. Do I have time for this? Yeah, sure. So one of the things – No one's listening by this point, unfortunately. Yeah, right. Um, We did just hire an intern to serve as our social media outreach, uh, social media coordinator, economic development. Uh, the young woman's name is Ashley Sarowich. I'm going to be putting out a press release about it. Um, she's a member of the class of 2020, and this is a way for us to engage and get better outreach to businesses and towns and try to sell the t- it, Her job basically boils down to pimp this town, and I don't think we've done a very good job of that. So this young, driven woman who was the top of a heap of very young, driven, very driven candidates who I had to pick her from. a high school student or a college student? High school. Okay, gotcha. She's an incoming high school junior, and she spent 25 minutes at Starbucks this past weekend peppering me with ideas. So we are doing some wonderful things on the foundational level to help everybody see more of Seymour. You were, I knew you were going to sneak that in. I had to sneak it in. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Chris Bowen uh, of Seymour talking about a lot of different stuff. So we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.